Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, where we talk about every episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, along with plenty of other things along the way. My name is Ellie. My name is Jenny. And today we're bringing you possibly one of our longer episodes, because this is the first time we've done one that was, we've tried to condense three episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh! into one. But I've tried to cut it down a bit, so you know we'll we'll keep, we'll try to keep it pretty concise. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there will be actually. I believe the next duel is also a three episode duel. However, we're we'll going to split prob- We'll be splitting it because a lot of stuff far too and, much to discuss. Yeah, there's a lot the to discuss one. in the next duel. This duel is very straightforward, so we're pretty sure we can do it all in one. But so you guys will be our guinea pigs, and we're excited. We're excited. Mm-hmm. This is a test of our abilities, our <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh summarizing abilities. And I, for one, think that we're up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so because of that, let's just go ahead and jump in and get started. I don't think we need to talk about anything else up top. Yeah, yep. we are starting with episode 19 which is called Labyrinth Tag Duel. And, oh, shoot, I forgot to get the air dates and stuff. Oh, I have air dates. Okay, Here, you I do can, it. I can back it. You do these, so, you do these. The English title is also called Double Trouble Duel. Um, and it aired in Japan, August 29th, 2000. And it aired in the U.S. for the first time, March 16th, 2002. So we begin... Um, Where we last left our heroes, they had been trapped inside of an underground tunnel with a giant rock blocking their way to the outside. The boys are straining to push the rock aside while Anzu and Bakura watch, which to me means that Bakura is girl-coded. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that it's Joey. We noticed that as well. Like (laughs) Yuki, who's literally a foot shorter than him, was like, oh, I'm I'm in the rock-pushing duty. But Bakura was like, I'm too femme for this. (laughs) <laughs> so glad we were on the same page of finding that funny. I Actually, mean, what's, I, what's funnier that he said that, or everybody just looked at him and was like, "Bakura, you just stay with Anzu. Your arm, little arms are like twigs, <laughs> weak little baby arms." Well, I think it's, it might actually just be that he's mesmerized by the Millennium Ring, which is pointing him a certain way, and he starts walking off down the passageways of these dungeons. Like, okay, we're gonna go this way, and the others are like, oh. Sure, we'll follow you. That's so interesting because in the dub, he explicitly says, oh, Yugi and I think that it can sense other Millennium items and we think Pegasus has a, we know Pegasus has a Millennium item. So this is definitely the way. So in the dub, Hmm. they're very, A, they mention Millennium items in front of everybody, which I thought was interesting. And B, they're all like in on it. So it's not just, oh, it's Bakura being a freak. They're like, oh yeah, you have a Millennium item, which yet again, considering the fact that they never established what the dub gang thinks of Bakura and his potentially evil powers after that duel is just very funny to me. I think they've just like, they're just like all in on including him in their little freak squad, which I, I approve of, but it's, it's very funny. This is definitely a moment where it's like, okay, just don't think about it too hard. But in the dub, he says out loud and on, and Taya and Joey and Tristan and stuff all even are like, Oh, are you sure? And he's like, Nope, it points towards other millennium items. So they're in on he, it. I don't think he said exactly that in the sub, but mm-hmm. he said something like, oh, I think we should go this way. I, I can't remember. Anyways, while in his evil castle, our favorite fruit juice drinking evil American, <laughs> it's wine. It is, he is drinking wine. Um, Pegasus is watching them on a some kind of hologram monitor screen. And his audio is so good in the at least in the dub too. He's getting like pitch perfect audio because they they do a cut and it's like it's clear that he's hearing it over recording, which is funny for me for two reasons. A, because how is the audio in this for hidden cave so good? And B what shouldn't he be like wait they've got another tiny twink who's got a millennium item wait what like in the dub like that i, I feel like that's actually a pretty like he big... should react in some way to Bakura <laughs> also having the millennium item unless he knows about him in advance i don't which, think i don't want to yeah. spoil anything i don't think he knows about Bakura's whole deal i don't think so i don't think so either but i don't remember specifics of eventual confrontation between them or anything i I mean, I remember some things from the manga, but I don't remember in the anime or how that goes down or anything like that. So I guess we'll see. Um, anyways, uh, Pegasus switches his camera screen to show Mokuba Kaiba locked up in a cell. And the boy looks absolutely 
fucked up. I was like, no. <laughs> they have him chained to the wall. It is very... His legs, yeah. It's a straight up castle dungeon, which does make sense because this is a literal evil castle that Pegasus has built for himself. He got downgraded. He me. used to be in like a bedroom. That's how he snuck out. He was like in a tall tower bedroom. And he's ever since his escape attempt, he got downgraded to chained into a castle dungeon. Depressing. Yeah. Well, it's because he wouldn't stay in the bedroom. That's when you get downgraded to the real bad dungeon. Fair enough. You know, you got to establish the law somehow. But yeah, it was honestly pretty upsetting how beat up he looks. You know, you're like, oh, he's just a baby. Please. He's he's 10. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. do this to our boy. Uh, so Mokuba goes into a flashback of him and his older brother as kids. And he's like, big brother always protected me. And we see this sepia-toned flashback of them as little kids at the orphanage, baby Seto and Mokuba are so tiny. <laughs> My only like, notes for this so whole cute. section are baby Kaiba's gonna kill myself. <laughs> I was I was like, no, please. And then Mokuba starts crying. And I was like, no, you're gonna make me cry too. Don't do that. <laughs> Even more baby Mokuba is probably the best character design in his show. Because I think literally his mane of hair is bigger than his entire body. And it's just, he's so small. I love him. I would die for him. I get, I really get Seto's motivation, because I too would kill and die for him. Must protect. Meanwhile, the squad are still wandering through these maze-like corridors, and then Bakura leads them to the exit. And it's really weird, because they go through this door, and it's like a glowing bright white, and then it fades in to show a normal room. And I'm like, why was it glowing like that? I don't understand. It seems like they teleported in or something. It was very strange. The sub have the line too where Taya's like, oh, I think these like these walls look kind of artificial. I wonder if somebody lives down here. And Joey's like, maybe there's mole people. And like that comes up a couple of <laughs> times where he's like, the mole people live here. <laughs> no, there's no mole people in the sub. That's really funny. Dub improvement. Dub improvement. Quality. Top quality. It is not, in fact, mole people. Instead, dramatically flipping down from the ceiling are two... Mm. The, the only way to describe it is two bald kung fu dudes. <laughs> they're, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there are two guys who are yeah bald. They're identical except for the color of their robes, which are green and orange, and the Chinese character that is tattooed on their foreheads, I guess. And they just dramatically drop in and they announce themselves in tandem as the Meikyu brothers or the Labyrinth brothers. Meikyu means labyrinth in Japanese. In the dub, they are also called the Paradox brothers. Yes, the Paradox brothers. I watched the first episode of this in dub um, a few weeks ago and then I was like, no. (laughs) And then... (laughs) Because I have to say, another thing, I don't know if this is unique to the dub or not, but in the dub, they rhyme. Everything Mm. they say, they rhyme with each other. It gets so fucking annoying so fast. Also, because they really have to push the rhyming sometimes. Like, respect to the writers, but it's it's physically painful occasionally. Did you write down any of the really bad forced rhymes? There are one or two that are coming up in future episodes that I will drop on you that I thought were particularly egregious. (laughs) Good, because I remember being like, what the hell is this? Also, this really... I'm the dub. Like I said, I basically put these episodes on in the background while I was doing something else and I was only Mm -hmm. like half paying attention. I got distracted. But the Paradox Brothers, one of them has like a kind of a Chinese accent, which is, you know, racially problematic considering (laughs) it's definitely a white guy doing the accent. But like, I mean, they are pretty obviously supposed to be Chinese. So I get what they were going for but it really bothered me that only one of them has an accent like it feels like either neither sure both right they're they're like they're twin brothers they should have the same accent then that just it doesn't make sense to me alone in this case so who else are they talking to you know i I gotta know yeah these guys like what is their deal you know because you said they live alone in this down in this cave and it's like i guess we don't know if we live there but like they clearly have a really good setup going on and literally if they have maze tattooed on their forehead i feel like that's an important part of their identity maybe they go to different mazes across the world it's very clear that these guys zero thought at all was put into like what are these guys doing when they're not in a dungeon challenging people to maze-themed duels. They seem to have no motivation outside of this. <laughs> and they're so theatrical that it just, I don't know, it just really makes it, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but because they're so ridiculous, it makes it hard to get 
attached to, yeah. to get into them as characters as villains and unlike even like the other like minor antagonists or just minor rival characters like Mako, weevil mai they they have no not even a hint or a whiff of backstory yeah and so it's just like what is your deal even the other eliminator panic you could easily imagine that we've met so far you could easily imagine him as like just a tough guy douche who like uh -huh. maybe he's a card game mercenary he's also probably killed people whereas like these guys <laughs> it's so specific it's like i think that yeah, they exactly. literally just live in pegasus's caves um also when they came jumping in from the ceiling Jinochi was like what is this a hong kong action movie which i thought was <laughs> funny <laughs> that is a good line <laughs> So in order to pass, the gang will have to defeat the Labyrinth brothers in a duel, obviously, because this is Yu-Gi-Oh! There would be no other possible way to resolve a situation like this. And if you don't win this duel, you will wander in the Labyrinth forever. They also say that it will be a two-on-two -two tag duel. So Yami and Yugi, you know, Yugi does his transformation, and he and Jinochi step up. They wager yeah, their first tag team duel. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's cool to have a tag duel. Yeah. Uh, they wager six and two starships, respectively, so that if they win, then each of them will have ten, and they'll be able to enter Pegasus's castle. Meanwhile, we do see a quick cut of Seto Kaiba walking through the forest on Duelist Kingdom Island. He takes out his locket necklace. He looks at a picture of his little brother, and he's like, I'm on my way, Mokuba. We will return to this soon. <laughs> cute yeah. oh protective big brother kaiba and there's lots of good kaibas but he's the most superior kaiba mm -hmm. so this labyrinth duel has special rules uh first of all everyone has the usual 2000 life points but if you go to zero your partner also loses so you only have to reduce one person which to i zero. do not think is a rule in future tag team duels if i am not mistaken mm -hmm. i don't remember enough but it's possible it also it doesn't really come up in this like when they win they're just like we've won we've beaten you they don't i got your life points to zero yeah they are not very specific about the life points which actually makes the duel better because then you don't have to do math it's just like here's an obstacle here's how we're going to creatively get over it so i don't mind i don't mind the the turns alternate between sides and players so it goes like one labyrinth guy yami other labyrinth guy Jinochi. Also, mm -hmm. I don't remember which one is which. In my notes, I wrote green guy and orange guy. I don't remember. One of them is May and one of them is Q. Or And I know in the dub, one of them is Perrin, one of them is Dox. I do not remember which because I do not care. So it doesn't I will even refer matter. To them as, Genuinely does matter. If it is ever relevant, like which one of them is involved, I'm just going to call them green guy and orange guy because that's what I've written down. Genuinely, um, and I just watched these episodes today, I didn't even realize that they were technically named. Like, I didn't even realize. <laughs> Well, I think they're para and ducks, right? The paradox. They, they are, but I totally forgot that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they are specifically saying I'm May and I'm Q and we're the May Q brothers. Mm, I may yeah. have just like back form that in my mind from remembering the dub, but it would make sense. Fair I don't enough. Know. This oh. duel is, of course, labyrinth themed. So they have the labyrinth field by playing this card called Labyrinth Wall. The Mayhew brothers turn the field into a maze. So these walls shoot up and it's a grid, almost like a chessboard with these walls in the way. And you have to move your monsters around the grid. If your monster is in attack position, then it has the ability to move a number of squares equal to its star rating. So mm -hmm. for example, one of the opening monsters is a four star monster that can go four squares and they have to walk around this grid. Which is silly, but actually it's kind of a cool gimmick. Mm -hmm. Yet again, it's another gimmick that's incredibly overpowered for the uh, home team. But it's kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, uh -huh. I didn't dislike this at all. It kind of gave me vibes of a D&D &D or like an RPG or something where they're yeah. moving around through these little dun through these dungeon walls. It reminded me of, you know, different kinds of games. So I think you can definitely see that this is, it's sort of like mixing dual monsters with another game and i think that anything that adds a little spice to the dual monsters mechanics is is welcome now and also, then and this will come up again but i actually think that they did a really good job of previous episodes and we were complaining about this setting up the various um players like mako and panic particularly having overpowered field cards and this mm -hmm. one is like strong but it's actually not as insanely overpowered i think as a darkness card and the ocean card it yeah, definitely there's definitely other things and so you're so used to that that it just doesn't bother me anymore so i'm like man they've desensitized me to these insane field cards 
<laughs> yeah. So mission accomplished, you They have monsters. a couple of cards that combo with the labyrinth wall thing in really specific ways, which I'll get to in a mm-hmm. second, that were seemed a little overpowered, but actually like most of their like, oh no, they're too powerful comes from their big monster that they get at the end which is not actually related to the labyrinth in any way so the labyrinth it seemed like fun um i can imagine this is like a variant of dual monsters that people would play for fun you know Mm -hmm. absolutely there's also like an extra bonus game even if they beat them in dual monsters which is that if you get through the labyrinth in order to exit you must pick between two doors there are two doors um leading out of this room each of them with one of the brothers like may and q the two kanji in the word for labyrinth and um Jinochi's like that's not very fair we need a hint and so the brothers say all right here's your hint starting right now one of us will only tell the truth and the other one will lie so Jinochi remembers a the classic story of like this same riddle because this is a pretty common riddle and there's a very cute visualization of this with this little chibi Jinochi villager wearing a little backpack that shows up on the screen. The story is a traveler comes to a fork in the road and there's a man there who says, ahead of you, there will be two villages. In one village, everyone always tells the truth. And one of them leads to the place where everyone always lies. And the villager says, that he is from one of those two villages, but the traveler doesn't know which. And that the solution to the riddle is that you have to say, take me to your village, because then the truth teller will take you to the truth village and the liar would take you to the truth village. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And this this whole encounter, especially what happens next, proves that I'm just Joey level intelligent. I don't know what that means about me, but he does this and I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is smart. I would have done this. I couldn't have thought of anything more advanced than me. Mm-hmm. Joey's like, uh, yeah, I've heard this riddle before. Tell me which one is your door. Like, which door is the correct one or something like that. Show me the door that I, I don't even remember. The door that leads to your village or something. Anyways, this isn't really that important. Um, they both point to a certain door and Jinochi's like, yeah, I got it. That must be the right one. But Yami is still suspicious and he's like, hmm, well, the difference here is that there are two people involved, right? And then he thinks, I wonder if perhaps they are both liars. This will come back eventually, but not right Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) Either way, it's time to start the duel. Yami opens with Beaver Warrior, a card that I don't remember if we've seen yet, but it's cute. It's a little beaver. It's exactly what it says in the tin, little beaver warrior. He moves it into the labyrinth. One of the brothers plays a card called Shadow Ghoul, and he fuses it with the wall, and it turns into a monster that goes and lives inside of the walls. And he's like, it's fair, because even though it can't move on the spaces, it's not moving on the spirit, it's moving inside of the wall, and it can move an infinite amount of spaces because it's in the wall. It's this just the wall that, now. That part is overpowered. This little busted. The labyrinth itself, I think that's my problem, main problem, my, actually my only, honestly, problem with the labyrinth maze is that it is their deck and their cards, so of course they have a deck optimized for it, but the spaces thing almost never hinders them, whereas obviously it hinders Joey and Yugi a lot, which is kind of annoying because it would have been it would have been nice to see them like strategically use that against them. But don't worry, they find other ways to get back at them that are pretty yeah, smart. Mm-hmm. Like it might have been actually kind of cool if they put their monsters down and you actually saw them on the grid and they because I don't think that the Labyrinth brothers actually they don't have any monsters that even move like within the walls normally. It's all mm-hmm. tricks and traps and stuff. And then yeah. they're big they're big guy at the end. Maybe they would have a monster that would be able to like hit you from the other side of the wall by like shooting over it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. To I've immediately playing... like just immediately out of the gate be like, there is a monster that can just traverse the labyrinth without problem. It's a little yeah, exactly. much. A little much. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Fire Emblem lately, so I'm picturing um so it reminded me of kind of Fire Emblem style grid where you're moving yeah. around. Like, what if you had to move around and there would be walls where the archers are hitting you in Fire Emblem? But also, maybe wouldn't have translated that well to manga slash anime form, so I get it. Yeah. Uh, at this point, the sideline cheer squad were, like, talking about this, and Honda says that in a tag duel, the opponent can gang up on the weaker player. Like, well, I hope Jinochi will be okay. <laughs> and so it's about how well they work together, because it doesn't seem like 
one of the two brothers sticks out as a weaker player because they are in fact exactly the same in every aspect (laughs) and then there's some more stuff one of the guys plays a trap card that will like trigger on certain spaces it's like a pit trap or something yami plays celtic guardian there's a whole thing where it syncs up he does like a combo with joey's trap card and they defeat the wall shadow and they're like hell yeah we're gonna win with the power of friendship exactly and it's very nice because genuinely i was a little afraid that this duel like when it started i was like oh i bet this is one of the duels where joey makes a bunch of dumb mistakes and of course yugi will be understanding but you know the the friend squad is gonna be like joey stop but actually he holds his own pretty well and there's not really that kind of tension this is because I was expecting that to sort of be like the conflict of the episode. But actually, all of the conflict is literally just them figuring out how to get beyond their tricks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and Yugi definitely carries some moments. But Joey is not a huge... Hin- he's not a hindrance at all. Like, he's a very strong partner, which I really liked. Because I, A, I think it shows growth. And B, it doesn't make him the total bot monkey. So I really appreciated it. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated that too. Because Joey definitely gets shafted a bit in some of the, with some of the other duels. He just does... Previously, he's done a lot of really stupid stuff or is just played as being kind of dumb, but mm-hmm. they're showing the evolution of Joey in a way that works pretty well, I think, here. And also something I'll come up later is Yugi is a really good his one of his strengths is that he's an excellent tag team duelist. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually partially because he loves the power of friendship, but you can tell he really likes dueling with a partner. And he is usually even if he's dueling with people just as good as him, he's the better person at supporting the partner and like bringing the best out of them, both emotionally and also gameplay wise. And it's really cool to see that as well. Also, another quick fun fact about this duel. This duel is full of prime Joey freaky faces. Like him making his chin face. Him just being like an absolute hard to capture. I but noticed that too. There were some cute Joey screen cap worthy moments. With like yeah. him like sweat dropping or making goofy expressions. I have a lot of screenshots. I might make a little collage for the Twitter screenshot because it's very fun. This is about the end of the first episode. But it does end with Pegasus watching the duel. And he's like fantastic i love every time japanese pegasus says gratuitous english English thing it's it's delightful and um he's like i can't wait to see what happens next and he's just sipping his wine everything about pegasus is very just i love watching him just another fun pegasus moment is that he comes in and croquet who is the head of his security and these episodes is basically just at least in dub pegasus is just dunking on croquet constantly like croquet comes in and goes um this is happening and he's like oh you idiot i already know that and then his like eye will glow ominously and it's like why do you even have a head of security if you're just going to be constantly telling him what to do but in the dub very awkwardly, Croquet always calls Pegasus your greatness, which I think is like an awkward attempt to translate I'm using very formal master J- Japanese. They were like... probably, it was like Pegasus-sama. Yeah, and I, so it's very funny to me that he's like your greatness. I'm some... like, this is just your boss. Imagine if you had to call your boss something like your, your greatness. greatness instead of just sir. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Croquet. Honestly, what else can you say? Oh, yeah. I'm, I've watched too much Paradox. I rhymed. And then he's like, Kaiba Boy will be here sooner or later. And then we also see Mokuba in dungeon still thinking about his bro. Some of this blurs together a bit because through a lot of this, they keep kind of showing us Mokuba. Like, don't forget, there's this other subplot going there's on. There's a boy so... chained in the basement. And it's like, I remember. I remember. Thank don't you, worry. Yukio. Trust me, I'm definitely more worried about him than the lab. Whatever's duel. going on here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that brings us to episode 20. In Japanese, it's called Three Gods Combine Gate Guardian. And then, do you have the. Yes. In English, it is simply called Double Trouble Duel Part Two. Ah, Part Two. So they're just doing English. It's just a part one, part two type thing for these. And part three, yeah. So it's all Double Trouble Duel. Double Trouble. (laughs) Double Trouble Duel. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) The fuck is not there. (laughs) Yeah. Mm hmm. And the air dates were September 5th, 2000 in Japanese and March 23rd, 2002 in English. Then we open with Mokuba flashback as uh, Seto is walking through the woods thinking about his little brother. From behind the trees, we see Saruwatari, aka Kimo, or Pegasus henchman, who was formerly one of Kaiba's henchmen. He shows up behind the trees, and I'm very curious about how four kids cut this scene, because in Japanese, he has a gun, and he's threatening Kaiba with a gun. Do 
do the dub scene and I will tell you how it is how it is done in the dub scene but there is no gun I'm sure as you sure I'm sure you know yeah uh-huh. I was quite curious about how they would because it's not it, it definitely didn't look like you could like edit around the gun so mm-hmm. I was wondering if they just cut this completely or like how they handled it but yeah so he throws up from behind the trees he threatens Kaiba with a gun and then this is where we get the anime iteration of a thing that I talked about happening already in the manga this happened like while he was on the helicopter to duelist kingdom kaiba pulls a card out of his deck and sticks it in the trigger of the gun or whatever and jams the gun with the card and it's like you made me waste a rare card on this and uses that to force the gun away from him fucking Um, sick move they have a little fight in which kaiba demonstrates superiority because apparently he's also a kung fu badass he threatens Sarawatri and is like, you take me to see Mokuba. Okay, so in the dub, they do cut most of that, which makes the rest of this episode really funny. So you never see a gun. He's behind a tree and then he steps out and is like, Kaiba, I found you. It immediately cuts to pretty much darkness and you hear what I can only describe. And I'm going to, tr- I'd like the audio clip to potentially be included in this episode as a wood twang sound. Like when like wood snaps back and you just hear twang. You're coming with me. And he's then like, all right, now you're going to take me to Pegasus. So basically with one elbow, Kaiba makes Kimo's bitch. And I'm assuming for the rest of this next couple episodes, he like has a gun to Kimo's back to like keep him doing what he wants. But he explicitly does not in the dub. He's just like, all right, I've beaten you in honorable combat. So now you must be, you must guide me around the island, which is very, very funny to me. But (laughs) besides the twang, you see nothing. I don't think he had a gun to Kimo's back. I'm not sure what happened to the gun. I think he might have, I think he threw the gun away or something. Cause I'm pretty sure that neither him nor Kimo have the gun when they like go into the dungeon. It is so funny, but I literally, I, I was so shocked when it just like cut to black and I heard the twang sound. I was like, (laughs) why would you choose that audio noise of all of them? He twanged him into submission. Good for Kaiba. So back in the duel, in the labyrinth duel, some some more dueling occurring. Um, one of the labyrinth brothers has this monster called Labyrinth Tank, which is like a big tank with spikes on the front that's wheeling through the labyrinth. It looks very cool for how little it actually does because it it was almost completely unimportant. The labyrinth Didn't tank. Paradox monsters have cool, Paradox Brothers have cool monsters. I really like their creepy shadow monster. Like, it had a lot of eyes, which I always like. Their tank is cool. They have another monster coming up that I actually really like the design of. And their trip, their uh, pit trap monster slash trap is like a cool spider. Just simple but effective. So Yami brings out Dark Magician and Joey brings out Flame Swordsman. And then those monsters all start heading into the labyrinth. Um, I wrote... Just me and the boys in the labyrinth, because that was the vibe that it had to me. I don't know why, but for some the reason I was very is tickled so good by Dark episode. Magician and the other three monsters just looking down the wall. <laughs> yeah, they walk so casually when they walk slowly. I love the Dark Magician this episode just because like a bunch of crazy bullshit happens and he has this like I mean he's a card. Everybody seems stoic because they're all cards, but he seems like stoic with a level of can you believe this shit? <laughs> The time he's on screen, which I'm like, thank you, King. <laughs> Love I appreciate you. that. Also, did you mention that he does like a little flip when he the dark magician oh, yeah. does like a I was cool just about flip. to say yeah. that when Yami brings out the dark magician, he does a flip in the air, and there's this very triumphant background music. I guess it's fair, but also he's literally he's just summoning dark magician. They're making it sound like it's some sort of epic moment. <laughs> One of the Meikyu brothers plays a card that changes the shape of all of the walls in the labyrinth. So the, all of the walls go down and they come up again in a completely different pattern. And now there's a wall in between Yugi's monsters and Joey's monsters. And Joey goes, they've split the party. I was like, he knows the RPG terms, correct? <laughs> and um, how do they beat this one? I forgot. Um, I apparently. I didn't take the most detailed notes in the world. I was like, I'll remember what happened in the episode that I watched half an hour ago. No, I don't. But, um, (laughs) okay. I think I got it. I got it. Uh, it takes him a while to beat the tank. There's a trap card that's called Jirai Gumo, the trapdoor spider Mm -hmm. that the brothers play on him. And this, it comes out and it grabs the monsters from below. How do they, get around the like oh our monsters are split up thing oh yeah yami has a trap card magic box 
like all of the best yami magic cards it is meant to go the dark magician and it's magician show themed it's yes just like magical hats which will be coming up soon as well yeah it's a magician uh knife stabby trick um which i'm sure there's a there's a proper name for these i think but i don't know what it is but it's that thing where somebody gets in a box and then a whole bunch of swords go through it and then it's like oh no he's been stabbed but then the the stage magician would be like actually they're completely fine but it's like that so basically these two boxes pop up dark magician gets in one he does a little sort of flourish all of these knives go in and then in fact he switches places with the other box and so now the jiragumo the trapdoor spider is the one that's been stabbed a whole bunch of times dark magician comes out on the other side of the wall and rejoins uh, joey's monsters in the sub, so in the dub, I thought it was interesting that, like, when you see the pierced monster in the box, it's it's been reverted to card form. Was it, like, did you see the monster getting stabbed with swords? Because um, um, it was, like, basically it was the, the card and it had been stabbed with swords, which I, I thought was... a quick shot of the spider with some swords in it, yeah. I'm okay. I just sure. think swords are cool. I think more stabbing should be shown in Yu-Gi-Oh. I think it's fun. <laughs> Back to the castle. We are in the dungeons underneath. I mean, I guess, okay, I guess technically both of these things are taking place in dungeons underneath Pegasus's castle, but we are in the prison dungeons. <laughs> Don't, I think this is this where the Paradox Brother are is not under the castle, it's just under the island, whereas this is explicitly okay. in the castle. Not There's to get a pedantic. lot of dungeons under There's lots of underground kingdom. space. He really, he really makes the most with his real estate. He's like, I'm going to add square footage all over this bitch. And, you know, good for him. So. Kaiba is about to enter this back entrance to the dungeons. He forces Sarawatri to let him in the door, bring me to my brother, etc. We do see one ominous shot of Pegasus where I took note that he is once again eating a plate of six slices of just gorgonzola cheese, which is his favorite snack. That's all he eats. He just drinks wine like it's water and he only eats fresh fruit and gorgonzola cheese we've only actually seen him eat the cheese too so it's very possible the fruit is just fake and he has it around him yes for yeah this this man lives on wine gorgonzola cheese and if i remember another episode correctly soup those are the only things he eats damn That's i wish Pegasus that were diet <laughs> you heard no it wonder he stays guy. so slim i love him so much mm-hmm. dermatologists hate him in the duel, meanwhile, the orange brother has drawn Sangha the Thunder. This is one of a set of three gods, but not that set of three god cards to <laughs> save you later. A much less interesting one. Um, and these three gods will combine to form the Labyrinth Gate Guardian. He plays this one and it becomes a little box that sits at the end of the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And then the other brother summons Dungeon Worm, which is like a Doom style, a worm that lives underground and then lots of teeth. The Doc's brother summons the worm from Dune. (laughs) Yeah, uh huh. I mean, that's what it—that's what it made me. It does look a lot like that. Yeah. So how are they going to counter a worm that's always underground? Well, Yami plays magical hats, which we have seen before. And I really like this moment in the dub because Joey's like, crap, how are we going to get out of this? You got better pull something out of your hat, Yugi. And he goes, good idea. Oh, that's very funny. That's so (laughs) good. That's a good joke. Also, bad, bad pun, or not pun, rhyme from the uh, Paradox Brother here is, oh, this is an emergency. Bet you wish that you could flee. I didn't like that one. That was a weaker one. That's not very good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, some of those were very natural, and that was one of the weakest ones. It was bad. I give them credit that it's hard to write three episodes of rhyming dialogue, but also you didn't have to do that. They didn't have to speak in rhyme. You could have just not added that to your to your script duties for kids, and then you wouldn't have had to make all these bad rhymes. Yes. So yes, magical hats. It comes down. It's four hats. Two of the hats are covering up Yami and Joey's monsters. The other two hats are empty, and you don't know which hat to attack. Etc. Et We've seen this card before. The worm attacks, gets one of the empty hats. Also, at this point, one of the brothers plays a card called Monster Tamer, which mm-hmm. allows him to also command his partner's monster. And Monster Tamer, I thought this was really weird, at least in Japanese. The visuals of it is it's a dude. It, it's basically a dude in a loincloth with a whip. He looks like 
a monster tamer. But for some reason in Japanese, this card talks. And I was like, we never heard a dual monster talk before, have we? It goes, Dungeon Worm, come on! And I was like, why does this card talk? Nobody else gets to talk. Dark Magician doesn't that get to that does not happen. That's really funny. Or I mean, I guess it's not weird that it talks in English in the version. That's really funny. Yeah, no let the Dark Magician talk. talk. That'd be funny. I think the Dark Magician girl says stuff. Oh, sorry. But um, I might be yeah, misremembering, though. I thought that was like a special thing. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking about the thing that yeah. happens in one of the uh, filler arcs. You're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. Sometimes they make like wah sounds or whatever, but they never get to talk. Maybe I monster like... you would want to talk most. I actually have an mm. answer that's not dark magician. It has to be humanoid. Okay, humanoid monster that I want to hear talk. There's so many. Options. I have a clear answer, and that's Celtic Guardian, just because he always looks so disgruntled, and I want to know what's annoying him. What goes on in your head, Celtic yeah. Guardian? Yeah, I think he I knows think... he's like a filler. Um, what's it called when you're sort of like a red shirt? He's basically yeah. like the Yu-Gi-Oh! equivalent of a red shirt. He's like the first to go. He's Maybe like the he opening knows it. monster who always gets sacrificed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind hearing, like you said, Dark Magician. I also think that it would be interesting if um, Mystical Elf could talk. Because I think she'd sound cool. And I always thought Mystical Elf looks cool. Mm -hmm. So that's my answer for monsters that could talk. Oh, actually, it would be good. I'm not sure if this doesn't really count as humanoid, but they do have like human heads. So I think Mai's harpy lady should be able to talk. And so then it would just be Mai and like also three harpy ladies who are also sassing you. That'd and be way be, too like, powerful. That'd be way be too, too she, powerful. She would never lose. She would never lose. <laughs> exactly. That's what would make it so great. I don't know, listeners, write in which dual monster you think should be able to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we are genuinely curious. Where are we at? Jinochi says, I don't like being stuck in the dark. And Flame Swordsman pops out of the hat. He's released her magical hats. And um, Yami's kind of like, what's his game here? But Jinochi equips it with Salamandra, which is like a sword that shoots fire. And it shoots flames down into the hole that the dungeon worm came from to kill the worm by like smoking it out so fair enough i guess that works Great whatever and everybody congratulates him he's finally getting some respect from the peanut gallery too deserved one of the brothers um finally plays the third of the three gods three little coffins that the gods are in kind of explode and it summons the big guy the combo gate guardian who's mm -hmm. kind of like a power rangers megazord of three um non-humanoid just sort of blocky monsters stuck together i don't really know how to describe gate guardian but it's not like a super exciting I think you did a really time. good way of describing it is like despite the fact that's like gods it's three different robots that attach to make one mega robot and each section of the robot has a different elemental power if you attack them they can all use their powers at one time yeah. and they can pick and choose which element they use yeah, that's so what it's, matters it's kaze jin sui jin and sangha and they are wind water and thunder yep meanwhile in kaiba's corner of the episode mm -hmm. um sariwatari is slowly walking kaiba through endless underground dungeon tunnels and then sariwatari he kind of exposits some like very like as you know type dialogue about the kaiba brothers where he's like you and your little brother when your parents died when you were very young, so you've always only had each other. Gee, really touching, like sarcastically. But it's shocked Kaiba, like, didn't just. I know he doesn't probably have the gun, but I'd be like, shut the fuck up. I'm going to shoot you. Actually, I was thinking this whole episode, something else happens next episode where I was like, it'd be really funny if Kaiba just kept the gun and shot some people. <laughs> We'll it's get to it eventually, kind of but there is some gun gun threatening in the manga that I think they could that they cut out. So I'm right. happy to know. <laughs> yeah, damn. Uh, this is all then reinforced with some more like sepia flashbacks from Mokuba. Um, so we do see that after losing the parents at a young age, the two of them were sent to an orphanage. And in the flashback, we see some random NPC kid getting adopted from the orphanage while baby Seto and Mokuba are left behind holding hands. And basically it's implied that no one wanted to adopt the brothers because everybody only wants one solo orphan, but Seto promised his little brother, like, we'll never be separated. 
My thing is, like, I think both of them would have reasons that people don't adopt them. Cassetto was a genius, and you can you can just tell immediately, like, he's like a little genius boy. So you immediately get a little genius boy. And then Mokovic is just the cutest little boy. I guess if people are like, I either want a cutie or I want somebody who is genetically superior. I don't understand why you wouldn't just want the best of both worlds. It's like you get brothers who love each other. You get a genius who's great at everything but has no emotional ability. And then you get, like, a free Care Bear with great hair two for one deal hell yeah they balance each other out too do not you know that that meme that's like do not do not separate them (laughs) excellent summary of their relationship finally sariwatari is like here we are and then he reveals like oh this was a trick didn't actually lead you to your brother which i was kind of like obviously it was a trick but i guess kaiba has no other option he did take him to the dungeon too which was the first step so yeah Kimo hits a switch in the floor that calls security, which I thought was weird. Like, why does Pegasus have one floor tile in his underground dungeon that when you step on it will alert the security, but whatever. It would seem more natural to me if Sariwatari had had, like, a button on his watch that he pressed or something rather than one... I think they use that as an excuse because it's like, oh, that's why he took him so far in is because he knew that the button was this far in. Is it stupid? Yes, but at least it kind of makes sense. There's a great dub Pegasus line coming up. I'm waiting for that. (laughs) Uh, All right. I'll I'll let you say that then because what happens in the sub, there wasn't any super um, ridiculous lines or anything. Just uh, Pegasus is alerted by Croquet that an alarm has gone off in the dungeons. And he's like, don't worry about the security. Call off the security. I'm going to go meet Kaiba Boy myself. And he like stands up and dramatically starts walking in the dungeon. And the dub when Croquet comes in, yet again, Croquet's like, oh, Kaiba's in the dungeon. And Pegasus is like, I already know that, idiot. And Croquet's like, oh, I beg your pardon, sir. And Pegasus goes, you can beg later when you're being punished. (laughs) (laughs) I was hollering. I was like, okay, okay, so that's what's going on. I get it now. Okay. Sure. Um, but he, yet again, he's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to Kaiba myself. So, ooh, we're getting a confrontation. But I, I just so distracted, I had to rewatch part of that because him just going, like, you could beg later when you're being punished. I was like, okay, okay, I don't, all right. Backing up slightly, Pegasus did say, I knew he would be there because I have foreseen it. Mm. Which, it seems like it's possibly implying, it's, it's a little vague because it, it could either just be like, I predicted that he would come, or it could mean that perhaps his Millennium Eye has some kind of powers of seeing the future. future. Ooh, how ominous. They're seeding some of that mystery. Mm -hmm. That's the end of the second episode. So we're kind of churning through these (laughs) at a pretty decent pace, I think. The duel is a little slow. We're cutting, there's lots of like repetitive content with the maze stuff. I think they're really trying to make sure you understand the rules of the maze. And as much as we love the Kaiba brothers, there's lots of really repetitive emotional beats with Mokuba going like, brother, save me. And Kaiba going like, don't worry, I'll save you. So some of the pacing in these three is kind of weird, but I don't really blame them because I'm not sure you could have cut this down to two. You couldn't Um, have. Like, I don't think you could have cut this down to two, but it doesn't quite have enough to fill three. So it's just the consequences of adapting a, it's the consequences of adapting a, like, mostly episodic manga into an episodic TV show and, like, the pacing not really working out in quite right for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways. So episode 21 in Japanese, it's called Demon Dragon, the Black Skull Dragon. And in English, it was just called Double Trouble Duel Part 3, as we've already said. And yep. the air dates were September 12th, 2000, or uh, March 30th, 2002 in English. In this one, we're opening up with Gate Guardian makes an attack on Genoti's Flame Swordsman. Bayami plays Mirror Force, but one of the parts of the Gate Guardian has the power to reflect attacks. But they still managed to take out Monster Tamer. There's a lot of this just like back and forth. Literally a bang, bang, bang. Yeah, bang, bang, bang. Exactly. um... So Pegasus's security guys are searching the underground dungeons for Kaiba, who's managing to evade them. But like, like Spider-Man hides high on the wall. He's up on between two of the corner, like in the corner. You know what I mean? I I don't know how else to describe it except he's Spider-Manning. Good for him. He's so multifaceted. So many talents. I thought it was really funny to imagine. Imagine working for Pegasus and being assigned to dungeon duty. Like, where does he find these people? You know, there's just so many questions here. Because Pegasus specifically 
went out of his way to build a medieval cartoon style castle for himself to live in on this island. <laughs> like, actually, I feel like it would be a pretty sweet gig to be security in a, a castle. In and a like, villain's castle? <laughs> yeah. I think Croquet just shows that a lot of people are in this partially because it's part of some weird kink they have one way or the other. Uh, meanwhile, in the duel, Yami summoning Sun Skull, one of his more powerful monsters. And the labyrinth has been, like, flooded with water by the water guardian at some point. So it uses a lightning attack because water conducts electricity. I wasn't mad about this time because that happened in the Mako duel. With uh, mm-hmm. There were several, like, and obviously the big jellyfish, the Mako duel, caused problems. But I was like, oh my gosh, I remember from the ocean duel that happened. Water travel and how it can affect multiple monsters. And I was like, damn it, I hate how they made something really cool with the field effects happen. I've been so like, oh, the field stuff, the Pokemon elemental logic. But I was like, fuck, they they've been consistent. <laughs> fuck! It was, it was a cool moment. I will full on give it to them. It was cool. Yeah, so there's some more trap card back and forth. TLDR, they destroy one part of the Gate Guardian, but the other two are still there. Mm-hmm. And then Yami looks over at Jinochi and, like, telepathically signals to him with friendship abilities. Because <laughs> he's he's just thinking to himself, now is the time to play our trump card. And they look at each other and are like, yeah. The, the whole thing is they, so they defeat the water god, and so all the water dries up. So they can't mm-hmm. use the water elemental trick anymore, or the electricity trick anymore. But that's when they have the psychic friend connection. I love them so much. Jinochi plays Red Eyes Black Dragon, the big heavy hitter of Jinochi's deck. They use polymerization to fuse it with Summon Skull to make Black Skull Dragon, which the episode is named after, card of the week. But the Maykew brothers just laugh at them and they explain that flying monsters cannot enter the labyrinth because you can only go by foot. <laughs> I was really like, Red Eyes Black lie. Dragon has been put on a no-fly list. This is discrimination. Evil. But not to worry, gang. Yami has a plan. Yami brings Dark Magician out of the labyrinth. It's made it all the way to the other end of the board. He plays Monster Reborn. The Meikyu brothers go to attack, but Yami actually resurrected their Suijin, the part of the Gate Guardian that they had defeated. So now he controls one third of the Gate Guardian, which is significant for reasons that I don't even remember. At this point, I this duel is not bad at all. Like, I enjoyed watching it. But it goes by pretty quickly, and I do think a lot of it would be, like, kind of boring to just summarize, because it it is a lot of just one card, another card, encountering, and I appreciate the fast pace, but it does make it hard to entertainingly describe for podcasting. You could have said it better myself. (laughs) So I'm gonna skim over the duel. Although Yami does play a card at one point that he's like, this lets two monsters switch places, which would be completely useless, useless in any, in any situation this. except this. I was like, what's the point of this? I also highlighted that as my one weak point of the duel. I think he uses a lot of cards that he uses in other situations creatively, but that's like the only thing where I'm like, that is only useful in tag team dueling, and even in most tag team dueling, that wouldn't be that helpful. So I was kind of like, okay, whatever. But I'll let it slide because this duel was way less gimmicky than I remember, mm-hmm. and I have to give them credit for that. I really do. Yeah. Whatever the reasoning, it works in this case. Basically, he's using that card to get the demon dragon, what's it called? Black Skull Dragon, onto the other side of the labyrinth so that it can attack and destroy Gate Guardian, even though normally it wouldn't be able to go through the walls because it's it's too big and its wings don't fit. (laughs) (laughs) So they have won. Yay! They have 10 star chips. And there is a cute shot of the the sideline gang going, 10 and like doing victory pose a little victory pose yeah which i was like i honestly they've gone through a good amount of duels but i was like i totally thought that they had to do more duels before they got all of the 10 star chips but i'm i can't say i'm not glad that it's over (laughs) i mean there is there is more dueling i went before they enter the castle is is all i'll say there is one uh meanwhile in the dungeon kung fu action kaiba is ambushing some guards he literally gets such a cool fucking arc most of this season before he gets also looped into card game stuff because he's literally he is the hong kong action hero kaiba is the hong kong action hero he gets to do so much literally dropping in on them and karate chopping them (laughs) like infiltration master it's amazing i'm like how did you learn this boy he's a very talented man he can do a lot of things Mm-hmm. he gets the keys which i did i love that 
this is a cartoon dungeon, video game dungeon all the way. Like, this is the modern world. You could be, he could be locked up in any possible way, but the keys to Mokuba's cell, it is literally steel bars and the keys are on a giant key ring okay. that looks like a video my game. Fight it, my, my argument against this, Ellie, is that that's some cartoon-ass shit. And that's exactly what I'm Pegasus, saying. That's why Pegasus, I like it. Yo, it's more of like, it's so in Pegasus character for Pe Pegasus. Exactly. It's like he's literally like, mm, I'll make the most cartoonish prison cell possible. Oh, exactly, that's what I was Mokuba. trying to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, we think you should put Mokuba in like a more secure room and it's like, no, put him in the cartoon dungeon. And they're like, well, we do have one of them. <laughs> also, I love how during most of these last couple episodes, um, but now he Kaiba is explicitly interacting with Mokuba a bit. But a bit mm -hmm. He's been calling him Kid and Kiddo, which I don't think he does a oh, lot in the future. Cute. He doesn't in, in, the, in the dub, at least. He doesn't do that a lot in the future, and I think it's very, very cute. Yeah, partially because really in some ways this is them. Not to get a little deep, but this is them reuniting. A after they've been separated because of the kidnapping. But since Kaiba got mind crushed, in a way, it's him as like a good older brother also mm -hmm. reuniting with Mokuba for the first time. It just makes me yeah, a little emotional. Exactly, especially so in the manga version where it's his first time seeing Mokuba after he came out of the coma. The but, coma. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene later in this season that I literally, I'm probably gonna cry at again. It's so good. I love them so much. It's okay. I've cried about the Kaiba brothers before. You can, we can, we, we can all do it. This is a safe space. Here. This is a, yeah, this is a no shame zone. But this isn't um, Kaiba brothers time. It's Kaiba brothers and Pegasus time. Yeah, but it's a very cute reunion. I like how Mokuba was like, I didn't give anybody the key. I protected Kaiba Corp's secrets. So then their reunion is interrupted by Pegasus golf clapping and then coming in from the side. He's like, well done, Kaiba boy, but I have to cut your reunion short. There's very cool music in this scene in the sub, at least. It was kind of mystical. And then my next bullet point says, oh my god, stop cutting back to the stupid labyrinth riddle. It's so yeah. annoying. But yeah, no, I yeah. totally agree. I think there's way too much jump cutting. <laughs> is bad they keep we're jump cutting between yami and jinochi trying to solve the riddle of which one of the two doors is the way out of the labyrinth they have to answer this question mm -hmm. and we keep cutting between that and what's going on with pegasus and the kaiba brothers and the latter is like so much more interesting that it totally it kind of ruined yami's fun gamer trick that he's about to pull which i will describe in a moment because i was like focused on mokuba and it was just the back and forth was too whiplashy and i didn't like the way that it was cut it would have like just do one of those scenes all at once and then do the other scene all at once it would have been fine i absolutely but, agree with you yeah but i'll i'll go ahead and do the riddle scene like all in one go right now and then i'll i'll cover what happens with the kaiba brothers what happens here is um, you have to go in one of these two doors. How are they going to know which one? They're both kind of trying to figure it out. And they're like, one of us tells the truth and one of us always lies. And then Yami's like, I'm just going to pick with these. And he holds out two coins on which he has written uh, May and Q. He's going to do the random coin flip. He's like, the one that's left in my hand will show which one I'm going to choose. And then he opens one of his hands. It has Q on it. The brother's like, you've chosen that door. And then he's like, no, it's not. It's actually the Q door. I knew it. There's no right answer. Whichever one I had chosen, you would have just said that it was the other door. He basically says that there's like a mechanism that they can control. And <laughs> since they can control the labyrinth, no matter what one they chose, they would make it the incorrect thing. And my little quibble I have with this is I wish that they had shown like a shown a quick flash to them, like pressing the mechanism or doing something, but they never <laughs> show that. I would have just liked a little edit of a button push, but whatever. Or, or them tapping their foot strategically. I don't know. I just would have we'll added get to a little this more. In a sec, but in the manga, it's physical keys where they're like each holding one key. That would make a little more sense to be able mm -hmm. to give them the wrong key. Anyways, Yami's pro gamer move is that, in fact, he opens his other hand and it also says Q. And he's like, so I chose the Q door. And then he sh he reveals... On one of the coins, he actually had both of the words written on them. So now mm -hmm. they've, I guess they've committed to which one it is. And then he's like, I forgot to tell you, one of my hands is a liar. Just like the one of us is a liar thing. Which Great I line. 
I appreciate a little Yami Yugi trickery, turning someone's game back on them. Reminds kind of me thing. of the olden days, you know, the good old days. A little less murder, fun. which is which is you know I miss that, but yeah, still, that's fine. Um, so in the dungeon with Pegasus, Kaiba demands, "Let my brother go." Pegasus sassily tells him that, like, no, that won't be happening. And Pegasus's Millennium Eye. We see that activating, and then we see Mokuba shout, and he falls over, and he looks as though he's in some kind of a coma, like his eyes are lifeless, he's fallen on the floor. What's happened? Pegasus reveals what looks like a dual monsters card, but it has Mokuba's face on it, and he looks distraught. His soul has been taken out and put into a card. No, but it is limited edition. (laughs) Yeah, super rare. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He looks so Um, sad. I hate seeing... This, these soulified bodies, Mokuba's in particular looks so depressing. Like, cause he just slumps over and like his know, eyes so get all like pupilless. God, it's so fucked up. It's 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 a little upsetting. I'm not gonna lie. So Pegasus says, um, "If you want Mokuba boy back, you must defeat me in a duel." And kind of like, "You want a duel? All right, let's fucking duel. Let's go right here." He's now. like, "Right now, let's go." Which yeah, good. And for him. Pegasus, this did crack me up. He literally goes. Uh, yeah exactly uh he literally makes that noise and then he insists that no not yet don't get ahead of yourself first you must duel yugi so we have a dramatic setup for what may happen my quick thing is in the dub he explicitly says you have to earn the right to duel me you like lost to yugi before so you have to prove that you can beat him basically Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting and that's where these these episodes end should we do what did you think of these or should we go to the manga comparison we, I think we usually do episode <laughs> review first. I've already said this throughout the episode. I actually, I was dreading these episodes, to be perfectly frank, because I remember the Paradox Brothers did annoy me as much as I remembered, but I actually liked the duel way more than I remembered. Um, yeah. I thought the gimmicks, there were one or two gimmicks that, like, especially compared to last, like, the Bones duel was so boring. It was not really that boring. Like, it kept me engaged. Like, I liked the Kaiba Brothers stuff more, but the duel is still pretty good. The gimmicks were sometimes a little overpowered, but not egregiously so. And I liked the mm-hmm. solutions. Like, none of the solutions yeah. felt like they came out of nowhere. And it was really great to start seeing... And this is what, where the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game actually gets pretty good. Is you see them creatively use cards we've seen before. So it feels mm-hmm. less and less asshole each time. It's less and yeah, less exactly. like, oh, they're whipping a card out of their ass just for the situation. There were one or two of those this episode. But a lot of it, it was like using stuff we've already seen strategically. So... I liked it. I enjoyed I actually enjoyed it. I yet again we've already touched on the pacing was kind of weird. It should have been like two and a half episodes. It should mm-hmm. have at the very least put all of the Kaiba Brothers stuff either in two big chunks or like all together at the end, maybe. Because Agreed. you the cutting between those two things just did not work for me. Exactly. And yeah. In mm-hmm. manga comparison that we're gonna get to in a little bit. The Labyrinth Duel all happens all in one go, and then all of the Kaiba st- brother stuff is after it all together. And so I think that's pretty that good. I could, I could have seen them split me, it once, it. but rather than doing it every three to five minutes was a little too much. So yeah, it's kind of an L, the very end of kind the of an L for the editing team. But other than that, mm-hmm. I thought these were very solid. I really enjoyed it. Some pacing issues, but for something that I was like, oh god, the Paradox episodes, I was like, oh, this was actually pretty good. I think I remember disliking these because I remembered the Paradox Brothers themselves specifically being like really dumb villains, which is true. And they're probably the weakest point of this episode. Like, why are they weird kung fu stereotype guys? Even though the villains themselves don't stick out, the actual duel is good. So I think I had set myself up for disliking this one because I tend to remember characters more than like the events of a duel. And so I was like, those characters were forgettable. So I bet the duel is going to be really boring and dumb. But it wasn't. It was fun. So, yeah. That's a great way to summarize it. So mm-hmm. in that case, what is what are some of the manga differences? I'm curious. Okay, so the actual duel itself, almost all exactly the same. Or mm. if there were differences in the card plays, I didn't notice them because I don't care enough. Incredibly valid. <laughs> but basically, so like I said, the pacing and ordering. And then there is something quite uh, significant that happens near the very end when they're trying to figure out the solution to which door is which. The friends are all walking around inside and they're like looking at the two different doors and they're wondering which one of the two could it be. And then while Bakura Mm -hmm. is kind of off to himself in the corner and he's sort of like touching the wall, he hears a voice, Spirit of the Millennium Ring, speaking to him from the Millennium Mm -hmm. Ring. So Yami Bakura (laughs) is saying, it's me. 
I'll teach tell you which door it is. Why are you wasting your time here playing these stupid card games when a new Millennium item is just a stone's throw away? I've been guiding <laughs> Yami you towards Bakura, it. Yami you're so right. <laughs> so true, King. So true, King. Throughout all of Duel Monsters, he's just like, why do we fucking have to play card games? I want to either play <laughs> cool D and my cool sort of D&D or get to the fucking Egyptian lore. And he's right. You know what? He's right. <laughs> Yami Bakura is also watching Yu-Gi-Oh! And from the background of being like, can we get to the stuff that's not card games? <laughs> Love exactly. that. <laughs> and then he's like, if you put the ring on, I'll tell you where the door is. It'll be easy for a thief like me. Are you afraid of me because of what happened before? Well, I'm just trying to help you save your friends. So in fact, it seems that Bakura does put the ring on like while the others aren't paying attention. And then while the Labyrinth brothers are doing their thing, Bakura, who is now pretty obvious that it's Yami Bakura because he's drawn all evil looking and, you know, his attitude. He's like, Yugi, you were wrong. The Q door is the right one. And Yami is like, what's up with Bakura? <laughs> and then he's like, they decide which door is correct after knowing what their opponents choose. So, so he yeah, kind of saved, he does so kind of save the he's just there in the background for a little bit. Um, huh. But he, I mean, he's just commenting on the whole thing. Yeah. He doesn't actually save the day because Yami had already done his whole swap trick. But he's, okay, just, like, he's just narrating impressed then. by the ingenuity of the Paradox Brothers. Oh, okay, I misunderstood that then. Interesting. Mm -hmm. At the end, it like pops back to normal Bakura and he's like, What's going on? What just happened? Oh, hey, Yuki just won, right? <laughs> and then... Uh, he never learns. He never learns. Yeah, and Anzu's like, hey, Bakura, are you feeling okay? And she's kind of like, what's up with him? I love that, like, none of them notice what's going on with very funny. That's the problem is when you when you lock yourself in as the group freak, I mean that affectionately, then you just sort of spacing out and going like, hmm, for a bit. People are like, that's just Bakura. He's like that. <laughs> Which is just yeah. not good in the long term. Oh, this wait, actually, Jenny... You were mm -hmm. kind of right, because then Yami has a thought bubble that's, um, wow, Bakura figured out their trap. I was saved by him shouting and distracting them. Otherwise, they might have actually noticed my double-sided coin. So Yami Bakura saves the day. The day. <laughs> I, I mean, genuinely, he does. He was like, if, I, if my fucking host body dies in a freaking cave under this weird pervert's castle, I'm going to lose it. So kind of like I talked about before, the whole scene where it's like, Saruwatari, like, you used to work for me, but you betrayed me, and now I'm going to do this cool car thing. All of that happens on, on the health. helicopter ride over to Duelist Kingdom. In this chapter, we it just opens with some of the random MOOC uh, security guys in Pegasus's castle are like, where's Croquet? We received a distress signal. And then um, it cuts to... Kaiba, who has the gun and is holding Croquet hostage. So he has Croquet, like, tied up on the floor. And then I don't know how- Jokes on you, Croquet's into that shit. <laughs> I don't really know how best to describe this, but he put Croquet's head inside of his briefcase and then kind of has his foot on top of it. So it's like- Oh, so he's going to, like, neck snap him if he- Yeah, he's, like, stepping on him. Here, I'll show you the panel. All I can um, say is, yet again, joke's on you, Croquet's into this. <laughs> I'm glad we've established this lore about, <laughs> about Croquet and his kinks, because I feel like this is really adding to the depth of I mean, no matter what horrible, no matter what horrible characters. <laughs> he's a masochist, masochist. No matter what you do to him, he'll be fine because he'll enjoy it, as long as he doesn't straight up die. Yeah, well, he does seem to be flipping out in this. Kaiba threatens him. Um, we get a lot of, like, very menacing, kind of slightly evil Kaiba in this, which is always fun for me. I already took all of my important cards out of that briefcase. Your mm -hmm. blood would be easy to wash off of it. <laughs> Damn, all right, all right. Pegasus is announced that this is all going down. He turns on a um, video screen to talk to Kaiba over it, and he's like, Oh, Kaiba boy, you disappoint me. Where did you learn your manners? Why would you act like this in someone's own home? And I'm just like, I love you, Pegasus. Um, when you see this image from my surveillance camera, you'll know that there was no choice. And he shows him Mokuba on the TV screen. We get Kaiba kind of despairing and grabbing on his locket and thinking about Mokuba. He agrees that he's going to battle Yugi. So we don't actually even get the Kaiba and Mokuba reunion moment in the manga which is interesting, and Mokuba's soul doesn't get taken yet. It, it does happen later. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it takes a bit. At least I think it does. 
And that, that about wraps up the manga differences. It was pretty close, but there's some interesting stuff. Mostly just rearranging of things and a little bit of pacing. All right, so nothing too big. Stuff. And yeah. more confirmation that Croquet likes it rough. Okay, I'm, I'm satisfied. All right, well, I think we Which, actually did pretty oh, well timing-wise with summing up a three-parter episode. So patting ourselves on the back a bit. And um, for the yeah, Ellie that is wanna... editing this episode, thank you for your service. <laughs> do you want to do anything else before we wrap up instead of just talking about these episodes? We do have a little bit of time. I don't have much to talk about. Um, I'll tell you what we should have do is voice actor facts but i don't have any prepared because i have run out and i haven't done more okay there (laughs) are there weren't particularly any like new voice actors i feel like we could cover because we should save the pegasus stuff for like more pegasus heavy episodes i actually i can tell you something about pegasus's voice actor um in the japanese which is that we're not going to be covering him because this is the only thing he's ever voice acted in which is so (gasps) funny he's so good though He's like a radio DJ presenter who is apparently famous for radio shows who I guess they just so funny. I, I guess it would be like stunt casting or whatever if you're familiar with his shows. But I don't know. That's very funny to me, though. That but is like, funny. And also, I'm genuinely impressed because he's really good. Being like a radio show DJ means that you yeah. have some ability of voice acting, even if you don't do traditional voice acting. Mm-hmm. That's cool, like, I wonder what though. That I like there. that a lot. Oh, but yeah, man. his voice in Japanese is so funny. Well, that's our um, fun little fact of the day, then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so everybody, next episode, next couple episodes, we are very excited about. So Pegasus has challenged Kaiba to defeat Yugi, so it is time for the first of many Yugi Kaiba rematches. And so this is another three episode parter, but we will not be covering it in one single episode because there will be quite a bit to talk about yeah we're um, gonna be splitting it up and i think we also we might have a guest fingers crossed everybody yeah. it's they're great episodes some of my favorites this is one of my favorite duels period probably my favorite duelist kingdom duel for sure from my memory of the series so i guess we'll see you next week yeah looking forward to it everyone and thanks for sticking right. with us this episode bye yep. bye everybody Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.